You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday here in Los Angeles. The great Al Michaels will join us. Coming up here momentarily, Super Week brought to you by M-Drive. Don't let age beat you. Get M-Drive today. We spoke with Mark Sanchez, Clayton Kershaw, Carson Palmer, and Al Michaels will join us coming up. Al calling the game, of course, on Sunday with Chris Collinsworth and Michelle Tofoya on Peacock and NBC. You know, in 2018, it looked like the Blazers could be the next dominant team in the Western Conference. They were fresh off going to the conference finals. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, looked like they had the NBA's best backcourt. Blazers never became a consistent team, a dominant team. They traded McCollum to the Pelicans yesterday, so that essentially ends any hope of a serious run from this team. And maybe the Blazers are in a rebuild now. Maybe. Portland will have close to $60 million in cap space in the offseason. The trade also provides the team with valuable draft capital, and that could leave the Blazers in a a situation with a lot of options this summer. But you have to wonder, Damian Lillard, do you keep him? Does he want to stay? What can you get for him? Blazers maybe could be serious contenders down the road, but why keep him? Unless you keep him because... You want to say to your fan base, you have something to at least look forward to seeing. You know, the Lakers did this with Kobe those last uh, couple of years. They weren't great teams, weren't contenders. But, you know, you got Kobe out there and you can watch Kobe play. But, you know, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard is not at the end of his career like Kobe was. And I remember the first day that we did this show, after I'd left ESPN, October of 2007, and we're in Los Angeles. And I remember the big story that day on our first day on KLAC in Los Angeles. And it had to do with Kobe Bryant maybe being traded to the Chicago Bulls. But the Bulls would not part with one player, reportedly, Ben Gordon. That was it. It was like the Bulls could get Kobe, but they didn't want to give up Ben Gordon. And I went, oh, ouch. But, you know, you start to look at these teams and these superstars. If I'm Damian Lillard, and he's always said, look, I don't want to join a, a championship team. We want to build something here. And I always, I've always had great respect for Damian Lillard. When he's been on the show, he's a great guest. I love the way he plays. He's not afraid. He's dynamic. But at some point you go, you guys are letting me down. You guys are failing me because I'm, I'm giving you everything I have. But what are you giving me in return? And I think, you know, and if you're Chauncey Billups and you're looking around, and you're going, man, we, what this team once was, and now I take over this team, who is this team anymore? C.J. McCollum, I know that there was a lot of talk about him. Maybe there would be a Ben Swimmin, uh, Simmons swap for uh, C.J. McCollum. And at the time, people were saying, well, you know, you're going to have to give up Lillard to get Ben Simmons. I said, they're not giving up Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons. Yeah, Paulie. I'm going back and looking at this 2007 story because it was the biggest story in sports. Kobe Bryant it, it said it points likely to go to the Bulls in a trade. Guess what else held up the deal? Luol Deng. Luol Deng was a player out of Duke, right? And, and uh, Kobe had been talked to about the trade. And Kobe said, well, if Luol Deng comes here, that's, that's not good. I want him to be in Chicago as one of the players I play with. And that held up the trade as well. Oh, my God. Can you imagine having the, if the Bulls got that? Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. The Lakers lost again last night. And starting to run out of excuses here. 
LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the lineup together for just the 18th time this season. Lakers are 10 and 8 in those games. Russell Westbrook, after the loss to the Bucks last night, and uh, after hearing the boos at home for him, here's the question and answer. Russ, it's the second straight game that you've received booze after the turnover. Uh, is that a hard experience for you? I mean, this is this is home for you, and like coming back was a special thing. Is that is that a, is that a hard thing for you to absorb in any way? It's a sign of respect. Sign of respect. I don't my mindset and how I think about this game and what I'm able to do for this game is not predicated on booze. Um, I have a platform that I'm able to use to be able to do other things that God has blessed me with to be able to do, and I will continue to do those. Things regardless of people boo for me, cheer for me, cuss me out, call me names. It doesn't really matter. Okay. If you're on the road, it's a sign of respect, Russ. Not at home. That's horrible. I mean, and and what are the other things you're gonna do? How about we just focus on one thing? Make a couple of shots. <laughs> I I just you know, it's the guy who you see this, the guy on the playground who keeps taking long shots, He, you know, and he's not making them, but he keeps taking those long shots. And then you go, uh, at some point, how about you bring it in a little bit? How about you try to go to the hoop? How about you get to the free throw line? How about you shoot some lamps? Whatever it is. Uh, he keeps shooting those jumpers there. And, yes, he's ball dominant. And, yes, I understand the game plan, what it was, the kind of had low management on LeBron while he played games because Russ during the regular season would take, um, you know, a, a lot of the, the time playmaking duties. It hasn't worked out here, and it's not going to work out. Maybe they get into the playoffs. Maybe they, uh, you know, do, you know, they, they threaten Phoenix in the first round of the playoffs that that's who they meet up with, or they end up facing Golden State. Maybe they could throw a little scare in them. And, and maybe they can beat a team in the first round. It just doesn't feel sustainable. And then I wondered last night, I texted the Danettes, it was, they were moving towards halftime, and they were down like 25 or 30. And I said, gosh, I hope Frank Vogel doesn't get fired at halftime. And then I wonder, even if you fire him, do you fire him just to, what, uh, take away from what the product is? That's not going to help you. You can make, you can make the uh, argument that Frank's rotations aren't very good. And, and people have uh, had criticisms about that. And I can, I can at least look at it and go, okay, that's a fair assessment of the Lakers. The different lineups here. So the 27th different lineup in 55 games. It's not possible to do that for a team that you would think would be decent. And the 18th time this year that Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook all played together, and they've won 10 of those games they've lost in. But you know what? The Nets are worse. That's what LeBron should have said yesterday. When they asked him, huh, what do you think about the losing? You guys watch the Nets? Yeah. You watch the Nets game? Hey, you think we're bad. How about the Nets? That would have been good. That would have been a better answer. But he didn't. Okay, LeBron had this to say about the current Lakers and how they compare with the Bucks. Do I think we can reach the level where Milwaukee is right now? Um, no. Is that, what you, is that what you want to hear from me? No. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You want to follow up? I will hope so, but right now, we don't know. We can't get to where they are right now. I mean, they're the defending champions for a reason. And I, get, I guarantee if you would have asked teams coming out of bubble if they could get to the level that we were playing at when we 
won a championship, they said the same thing. Yeah, it's an honest answer. But he's got to he's got to maintain some zen or calmness here, because LeBron has been he's seen it all, and this is where you go. Just let us kind of figure it out. Maybe we figured out we're not where Milwaukee is. They're not where Golden State is. They're not where Phoenix. I mean, there's probably 10 to 12 teams that they're not on their level right now. Who would have thought that this Laker team would not be on Memphis's level? But they're not. Yeah, Paul. This is an awkward question, and I don't know. I'm not a basketball expert. Would this team be better if Russell Westbrook was just not on the team, just by omission? Could you see this team being better just by that? Or would you have to get something for him? Oh, you have to get something for him. But I don't want John Wall for Russell Westbrook. I guess what I'm saying is, if he just wasn't in the lineup, would that... Well, he's been benched. He got benched again last night. So that tells you what Frank Vogel thinks. You have to play him, but you don't want to continue to play him. And can you get something for him? And the answer is, like, if you're a franchise, do you want him? Like, I don't know if anybody would go, God, if we get Russ... That's not happening. Yeah, see. Yeah, I think LeBron did a good job in that soundbite of holding back. Because <laughs> he you could tell for a minute there, he's like, Oh, is that what you want to hear? You know, and you're like, Oh no, yeah. this dude's gonna have like not a meltdown, but he's gonna lose his cool. And then instead he like unwound himself and just answered the question in a really honest way. The Nets have dropped nine in a row. I don't know if James Harden's gonna get traded. Doesn't feel like that, but if he is what do you if he goes to Philly? Um, you're going to get Ben Simmons if you're the Nets. Do you get Seth Curry? Maybe trade deadline is tomorrow. But the Nets have been blown out. Their last three losses by 23, 20, and 35. You wouldn't think that they would have one of those losses this year. Felt a little stat of the dash, but apparently uh, Marvin, Marvin. It sound like a stat of the day. The day Hello, Marvin. The day, All right. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? what? Stat of the day. Stop. How's everything back there at uh, the uh, man cave, Marvin? Everything okay? Yeah, everything's good back here. Okay. Didn't didn't mean to wake you up. You and Tyler and the, the back room guys, so everybody's good? Yeah, everybody's good. Everybody's happy. We all slept. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because oh. we had to get up early here in Los Angeles. All right. Shot fired. By the way, guess who has a limerick today? He couldn't do the poll question today. He lost those responsibilities. He's got a big showdown on Friday with Ryan from Honolulu with the mock-off, mock headlines. In studio show. Yes. Yes. I have never, I've never met Ryan before, never seen Ryan, but Ryan is going to be in studio and that uh, Todd will have a mock-off with uh, headlines of what we think the Super Bowl is going to be. So these will be Monday's headlines that we'll write on Friday. All right, so uh, give me your limerick, Todd. A dozen years in the Motor City with a lot more ugly than pretty. Now Stafford's one win away from being king for a day. For the Bengals, it would be a pity. Okay. All right. Thank you, Todd. Smattering. (laughs) <laughs> That's a courtesy clap very, from the much more very, from the staff, very, and the camera crew, yeah, than they, my own guys they, that I work with every day. Yeah, not us. It was we felt guilty. We weren't applauding, and then all the people behind the scenes are applauding. So well, I appreciate yeah, the crew. Yeah, yeah. yes, Paul. There must be something in their contract when they see Dan's hands clap. You also join in. That's likely what. Oh, look, there we go. <laughs> 
like little applause thing that flashes. Uh, how about a couple of phone calls here? Al Michaels will join us in a little bit. Andrew in Buffalo. Andrew in Buffalo, what is on your mind today? Andrew. 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 Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, Andrew. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Sorry about that. I was on a work call, but uh, you know, oh, this is more important. Okay. Uh, what I do you do for? To, uh, weigh in on the uh, on the Auburn game last night, uh, storming oh. the court. Oh. Okay. I I think it's important to understand that Arkansas made the Elite Eight last year, um, and so if we're gonna you know make rules for storming the court, they were a two point underdog, made the Elite Eight last year, like kind of act like you belong there. That being said, I really think that, uh, you know, I would have loved to be in Arkansas last night. It looks like a great nightclub type atmosphere <laughs> after the game. So I'm all for it. But they made the Elite Eight last year. Like, you were storming the court after being a two-point underdog and winning that home. Thanks for taking right. my call. Thank you, Andrew. Good luck with uh, work today. Uh, Brandon in Arkansas. Brandon, congratulations on uh, the big win last night. Hey, thanks, Dan. Uh, Five nine and a falling two forty five. That previous caller there, um, I don't really think he has his thumb on what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, Arkansas, we're a uh, a proud program, uh, but we have had nothing to be grateful for in ten years since Petrino. Uh, then there was the Bielema and the. Two and the four win two two years of Chad Morris, and then you want to talk about our Arkansas program. Yeah, but you're talking football, of, though, Brandon. You're talking football. Musselman did a great job a, last year. I'm giving you an old, I'm giving you an overall of just the the state of things here. Now I'm getting to the basketball, where we had ten years of Mike Anderson, where it was considered a successful season if you made the first round and lost. So, I mean, we've been itching for this, and this is great. And I get what you're saying about it being a bad look, but it was very well, very much earned here. I know, but, Brandon, my point was it was a great win. You can't turn off the lights and start a pyrotechnics type of celebration there. Fans running on the floor. Auburn's team is still on the floor. I mean, how about you wait? Wait 15 seconds, 20 seconds. I mean, we're just asking for something bad to go wrong. And it's not fair to that Auburn team trying to get off the floor after losing that game. That's all. You want to celebrate? Go. Go celebrate. But, you know, don't try to validate the, uh, you know, the, the pyrotechnics there. Turning out the lights. It's just not good. Update the poll results, Paulie, and then we'll take a break. Who would you bet? Ooh. Who would you bet has the most Super Bowl appearances in the next decade? Patrick Mahomes is taking the lead with forty four percent. Josh mm-hmm. Allen twenty five percent. Joe Burrow twenty three percent. Justin Herbert eight percent. Okay. All right, let's take a break. Uh, more phone calls coming up. Al Michaels joins us next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Chrome Soft, the best tour ball. It didn't just make the best players better. It made everyone better. Men, women, first-timers, major winners, repeat major winners, club champs, business golfers, weekend warriors, the Danettes. Chrome Soft, that family, best tour performance for every type of performance. Chrome Soft. Chrome Soft X provides excellent spin consistency, tour-level short game control. Uh, There's also the Chrome Soft XLS. Gives you a lower spin golf ball on longer shots, firmer feel, but still with high spin around the greens. And now every Chrome Soft is enhanced with precision technology. 
They use design techniques and manufacturing specifications up to one one-thousandth of an inch. This ensures that they have the highest quality, most consistent, fastest golf balls possible. Now you add it all up, and it's pretty simple. Chrome Soft is better for the best and better for everyone. Find out which Chrome Soft is right for you at CallawayGolf.com slash Chrome Soft. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Oh, Paulie wants to place a bet with me. All right. I'll pay for your dinner tonight. Ooh. But what do I get if I'm right? I can't. I don't want to pay for your dinner because I, I know how that may turn out for me. Okay. I won't order wine. I'll buy you a nice bottle of wine back home. Okay. Uh, okay. Nice for me. Maybe not a hmm. $100 bottle of okay, wine. Okay, then that's good. All right. The I bet think. is, okay, here's... does Al Michaels eat a meal before, during, or before? Well, you can't do before. <laughs> You're changing it. It's during the Super Bowl. Will Al Michaels eat during the Super Bowl. I'm so, fairly confident Al does eat before and after the yes. Super Bowl. Okay, between, At some kick, point. between kickoff and the final whistle, does Al eat? I'll say yes. All right. I'll say no. Al Michaels, he'll be calling the Super Bowl. He joins us, uh, his 11th Super Bowl, tying Pat Summerall for the most by a TV play-by-play voice. Al, will you be eating during Super Bowl 56? Dan, I love my partner. Chris Collinsworth is like a brother. Somehow, someway, he once said, I eat a whole meal during the game. Not true. I have a few junior mints. I have some grapes. I might have a Snackwell cookie. That's it. Chris is the guy who eats like a horse before the game. Sushi, Mm. pasta, all of the rest. Okay. That is fake news. Okay. I will not be having a meal during the Super Bowl. (laughs) Okay. Uh, To the judges... So who won the bet? Well, I don't think a snack is a meal. I don't either. Fritzy? I don't. Hello. A snack. Ugh, I'm yeah. a winner. Sorry, Paul. Al. Yeah. I like how Paulie goes, before, during, or after the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, Al, on this date, back in 2006, you know what happened? 2006. I think I left Disney to go to NBC. Yep. Yep. Correct. And there was a, a rabbit involved in it, a cartoon rabbit. And uh, you were uh, ending a 20-year run on Monday Night Football. Now, I'm just that bringing per- that up. No reason at all that, you know, maybe you're joining another network or something on, uh, you know, close to this anniversary, Al. Uh, I have, as you well know, <laughs> put all of that behind me. If you start thinking about other things i promised myself this year not to be distracted and i will not be distracted until monday when i can have a ton of distractions in my life <laughs> but i don't want anything before sunday then i'm working like a maniac i mean look I mean, well for your television audience i mean i have like nine thousand pages of information ready to go for this game the best stories but all of them will wind up, you know, on the cutting room floor, as they say, because as John Madden said years ago, we come armed for war. We have everything available to us. And then, as John would say, a game breaks out and you do the game. But also, well, do you prepare for a blowout? 
Well, I, I don't think you prepare for necessarily a ball. You prepare for the game, period. You hope the game is great. Uh, and if it's a blowout, then we're ready to go in, in a different direction. It's, it almost becomes, Chris and I, we laughed about it because we did have a blowout in the uh, Christmas weekend game between Dallas and Washington, and then it became almost like talk radio. You're going back and forth. Fortunately for me, I've done 10 Super Bowls, and six of them have gone down to the to the very end, including the last four. And I look at it this way, too. I don't think the NFL has ever been hotter than it is right now, Dan. I mean, people are just talking about these last six yeah. games have been fantastic. And I'm just hoping that we get the lucky seventh. And it's not like when you go to the craft table and you've got a great run going, and then you throw a seven, and the dealer says, uh, seven out, line in, new shooter. We don't need that. We need we need the lucky seven this week. How important is it for you to meet with coaches or quarterbacks to glean information from them? Very. Uh, and we will. We're going out to see the Rams today. We get the Bengals tomorrow. We know the Rams very well because we had them three times this year. We've had them several times over the, over the past couple of seasons. Uh, we, we know them. So we'll see, you know, McVeigh and we'll see Stafford and some of the other guys today. And then uh, – I think Chris, Chris knows Zach Taylor a little bit because he lives in Cincinnati. I've met him once. Don't know Burrow. We'll meet him tomorrow. I think it's important. I think it's it's great because, you know, you know enough about them from watching them and reading about them, uh, and then you get to talk to them. And I find, you know, the really good stuff that happens is you get a story that hasn't been told before. Going into a Super Bowl, there's so many stories out there. Millions and millions of, you know, words have been written and, and so much time has been spent on television and radio talking about it, you want to find something that's a little bit different. So hopefully uh, that's what will happen, and that's why, we got, that's why it's very beneficial to meet with the, the principals. We always talk about players when they get to the postseason. But as a broadcaster, the amount of postseason games you call, uh, what changes or how does that prepare you better for the next one you do and the next one you do? It's you know what it's it's almost like when you're a player, Dan. You know you do what got you there. So if you go you know in a different direction, I know. Look, I understand the magnitude of the games and especially the Super Bowl. And people say you know 100 million people are watching. You can't think about that. You want to break cleanly. You want to get off to a nice start. Get the game going. And very much like the players who talk about you know the first time is contact couple of plays into the game, they're playing football, and we're announcing football. So you don't want to have to think about all the extraneous stuff. Once the game gets underway, you stay within your lane. I mean, Chris and I have done a couple of hundred games together, and if we try to do something different or, or, or uh, go outside where we normally would go, why? Why do you want to do that? So hopefully uh, – the, the game starts, we concentrate on the game, the game is close all the way, and all I root for, Dan, is triple overtime. Can't get enough of this. How aware are you of, I know the point spread, but prop bets? Uh, a little bit. You know, I, I look, I've been the rascal, you know that. I'm the guy who's always talking about a point spread or the over-under, and I've sneaked it in through the years, and a lot of people love it. Uh, now, of course, I can come in the front door because you've got DraftKings and all these other entities that are now involved with, with the National Football League. You don't overdo it, though. I mean, in terms of prop bets, no. I think that's that's 
to inside football. Uh, I think a, a few people are involved in that. I saw, I looked at them the other day. I mean, there are 18 million prop bets. So where do you go with that? I think you, you would be talking to a very, a, a very small sliver of the audience if you went there. Well, I didn't know if there was a prop bet if Al Michaels will say the following. Yes. And there he goes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, I remember well, years ago there was a prop bet, and I think the first game after deflate days, and I saw it, and it got a lot of play on the Internet. And I think the over-under was two or two and a half. And I said, let's just get this out of the way. Deflate, deflate, deflate. You know, so I went right to the over. So, and there he goes. You know, I can be bought, Dan. Okay. Not for a hundred dollar bottle of wine, but I can be bought. Okay. Steak dinner. And a hundred dollar bottle. And a hundred dollar bottle. Well, yeah, you can't have a steak dinner without a hundred dollar bottle of wine. No. No. But um, do you talk more to Chris prior to the game, or less, so you save it on the air? No, you know, we, we're always, we, we talk to each other at least a couple of times a week. Uh, we have our production meetings with Fred Gudelli and Drew Eschikoff, our producer, director, Michelle Tafoya is working with us. We have Catherine Tapp in this So we're all kind of interconnected. We talk a lot to each other so that, you know, we know the stories, we share stories with each other, and then we decide how we want to get there. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be like a regular game in that regard. This is the same thing we do during the regular season. As I say, even though this is the Super Bowl and it's a big, big, big deal, uh, we do what we do during the, the course of the year. The fascination with Joe Burrow to be doing this in his second year and like to say he's ahead of schedule is a, a, a grand understatement because even if they're on schedule, you wouldn't think the Bengals would be here. How big a story is that going to be on Sunday for your broadcast? Well, very. Of course, he's the quarterback of one of the teams, so obviously that becomes a big story right at the uh, at the outset. But I think what I sensed during the championship game in Kansas City is that a lot of this country uh, either, I don't want to say necessarily fell in love, but were fascinated by what the Bengals did. They're down 21-3. Everybody's thinking, okay, Mahomes is going back to the Super Bowl third year in a row. It's Kansas City against whoever would win the Ram 49er game. And somehow, someway, I just sensed the way they came from behind. You know, for Burrow, nothing looks too big for him. I mean, the way he stepped out of a couple of tackles when it looked like he was going to get sacked, uh, running for first downs, uh, doing what he did that day, winning in overtime, and just – just his his body language and and presence. Yeah, you look at a guy, you think, well, this guy's been in the league for ten or twelve years. But I think the country at that point, unless obviously you were rooting for Kansas City, uh, kind of fell in love a little bit with the Bengals and went, "Wow, that's pretty cool." So that's the sense I get going into this game. And Burrow, of course, would be at the forefront of all of that. You remember what you thought when the Rams left Los Angeles? Yes, I do, because uh, this is my hometown, and I knew that in, in those years of doing Monday Night Football, and every game was going to be a road game now. I wouldn't even get a game in Anaheim. Um, I understood it, though, because the problem in, in this city and area was that every uh, stadium was a relic, and that's why the Raiders who had come down here moved out of the Coliseum. 
the Rose Bowl was not an NFL type of stadium, but a beautiful setting, but not for the NFL. Anaheim Stadium was really a baseball stadium that they turned into a hybrid football stadium. So I, I understood it. I was not happy about it. But like everything else, these uh, moves, they're, they're money or, you know, follow the money. It's, yeah. it's the old uh, cliche about follow the money. And that's what the Rams did. St. Louis gave them a great deal, a much better deal than they had in Anaheim. And away they went, as did the Raiders back to Oakland at that same very same point. Do you think Tom Brady's retired? If I had to bet, I would say yes. I know that there's some other things out there after his podcast the other day. I didn't hear it. I read about it. I felt when we did the uh, the Rams-Tampa game that he th- that was going to be it. I, I thought it was like 64-36 uh, that he would retire. He would step away because he gave us a um, an answer in terms of when I asked him before that game about the perfect ending. He said it involves a Super Bowl, might not be this year. And then he kind of went back and forth a lot. So I did think he was going to step away. I wasn't surprised when he stepped away. Now you've got this other thing out there. I would be I would be surprised if he came back. I'm not saying he won't. And I don't have any inside information about this, Dan. But um if I you know, like I say, if I had to make a bet, I would say he's not coming back. But does it work for broadcasters when you're at the top of your game? And like, you know, do you, when, how do you walk away? When do you walk away? Who tells you to walk away? Uh, I thought, in, in, for me, I mean, in broadcasting, if I couldn't do, do it the way I had to do it and want to do it, and my brain began to uh, leak a little bit, let's put it that way, it would be time to walk away. And I've got some you know, people who are very, very close to me who would be the first to tell me as if I wouldn't know myself. For a player... I don't know. I think it's a very hard thing to do, uh, to, to walk away, because to cr- recreate the buzz you get playing in Super Bowls and, and doing what Tom did, I mean, he's going to have a really good football afterlife. He's very smart. He's got a lot of things going. He can do any number of things. There's no question about that and live a wonderful life. I'm not sure you can ever recreate the thrill, the thrill that an athlete can get when you're playing on the biggest stage that long. I mean, you can do several things in business. You can do things in broadcasting, but I'm not sure you can, you can recreate that thrill. And that's why a lot of coaches sometimes will step away, go into the broadcast booth and then go back. Because at the end of the day, if you're coaching, you look up at that scoreboard at the end of the game, you know what you did. Did you win? Did you lose in broadcasting? What are you supposed to do? Go on the internet and find out that everybody loves you or hates you? <laughs> Forget about it. Oh, it's great to talk to you, bud. And uh, as always, Dan, as yeah, always, man. Yeah, have fun and uh, hey. mm-hmm. your eleventh Super Bowl that uh, yeah. ties Pat Summerall for the most by TV play-by-play voice and uh, uh, Michelle Tafoya's last game on the sidelines for you guys too. Oh, I just want to say, that Michelle, she has been such a great partner. I've, I've done three 300- hundred broadcast with her uh basketball we did the nba back in the 0304 seasons football she is the best of the best i'll put her up against any reporter in this country print or electronic and you know michelle tons of fun she keeps us laughing uh, we're gonna miss her i'm gonna miss her uh, terribly because i mean she's just she's just great to be with Thank you, bud. Uh, talk to you soon thank you al you bet man Take care. that's uh, al michaels and uh you could of course 
watch the game on Peacock and NBC Sports, Chris Collinsworth. And it'll be the uh, swan song for Michelle Tafoya, who's stepping away as the uh, sideline reporter. We'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. I do believe the Traegers are fired up, and it's quite a menu out there. I'm trying to think if I have uh, everything. Let me see. I'll, I'll see if I can uh, bring up the menu here, give you an idea of what we have out there. This is this is what's being cooked today on the Traegers. I got grilled sea bass, and of course it has pineapple glaze on it, uh-huh. smoked lobster rolls, seafood chowder, braised asabuco, grilled pesto chicken breast, and grilled stuff flank steak. That's just today. And then there's tomorrow, and then there's meat Friday. Always great to see uh, Chad and Julie and uh, the entire Traeger folks out there. We get to uh, sample that coming up. So we'll take a break. Back after this from the Dan Patrick Show. You know, it's been almost four years since we announced the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting at Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. We have over 400 active students. We have over 100 graduates. We have grads in the field right now. Chris Burns and Carly Ford are just a couple on-air reporters. Taylor Schaub is the sports director at a station in California. Sam Guzman, a producer at a station in Texas. So many great success stories. If you or anybody you know is looking to get into this business, give our school a look. And about half the time you earn a bachelor's degree in sportscasting not broadcasting not communications sportscasting you choose to earn your degree online or full sales campus in orlando florida great facilities there learn more about the dan patrick school of sportscasting go to fullsale.edu slash dan patrick 10 more seconds to go to tell you something great about this well be like me this is the best place to start yes paulie nailed it thank you dan patrick school of sportscasting Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Grilled sea bass, smoked lobster roll, seafood chowder, braised asobuco, grilled chicken pesto breast, and uh, grilled stuffed flank steak. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. Man. 8.45 in the morning. (laughs) Sounds like that's breakfast for us. I love it. It's more of a breakfast chowder. Yeah. (laughs) So we have uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday, where the uh, Traeger folks will be here roughing us up with all this great food. Uh, A couple of phone calls in here. Seth in New Orleans. Hey, Seth, what's on your mind? Hey, DP. How you doing, bud? Good. Uh, yeah, uh, as far as uh, the Pelicans getting uh, C.J. McCollum, um, what do you think the possibilities might be of uh, trading Zion for Damian Lillard to come down here? And then also, what do you maybe think about Dennis Allen uh, being the new coach of the Saints? And uh, y'all All right. Thank you. Thanks, Seth. Uh, You know, the Dennis Allen hire was kind of nondescriptive. He's been there, and, you know, maybe you're in a rebuild. I don't know. And and maybe, I don't know him, but he's been there. The big question is going to be your quarterback. That's all. Let me start there. I'm not as concerned about your head coach as I am who your quarterback is, and you have a pretty solid roster there. As far as trading Dame Lillard for Zion, i got to know what's happening with Zion. And just because he's rehabbing in Portland, does it mean I'll connect the dots and go, hmm, maybe he stays in Portland. 
Plus, he's injured. I don't know when he's going to be healthy. Uh, let's see. Jordan in South Dakota. Hi, Jordan. What's on your mind? Hey, DP. Hey, bud. 6-1-200. Yeah. Uh, hey, just a couple of things. One, wanted to get everyone's thoughts on their favorite Super Bowl commercial. Um, and then two, it's my son Grayson's third B-Day today. We always watch it whenever he's homesick. So if I could just get a shout-out from you and his favorite Dan at Fritzy, I would Ooh. absolutely love it and appreciate it. Thanks. All right. A little shout-out to Grayson there. Yeah, Grayson. All right. Glad you're tuned in. Thank you, Todd. Uh, what was the other question he had there? Favorite Super Bowl commercial? Oh. You know, what one that just popped in my head, I think it was just a couple of years ago. You know that actor, Jason Momoa? He's yeah. like 6'6", 220, and just jacked. And he took all of his muscles off? Yeah, that was that was really creative and fun. I, I don't remember the product, which I guess... I don't remember Super Bowl commercials. I, I You know, somebody will bring them up, and I'll go, oh, okay. But if you said, hey, your favorite Super Bowl commercial, I'll go, uh, I don't know. Yeah, see... Was the one that was uh, was uh, was that yeah, a uh, that was Super a big Bowl? deal? That Bud was Light. a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yes, Tom. Wasn't there a Carl's Jr. one that got banned? Oh, stop! Charlotte McKinney. Yeah, Charlotte McKinney. One. I thought that was a little too hot for regular TV. Why? Why are you asking? It's a rhetorical question. Charlotte M. McKinney, the third, <laughs> four nineteen. Uh, Patrick in Arizona. Patrick, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, great. Yep. Wonderful. Good. So, hey, I heard Fritzy talking about riding a scooter earlier. Fritzy, you can't do that. Grown men do not belong on those things. I tweeted at the show and at you guys, Fritzy, Seaton, and Pauly, a photo of what happened to me in Nashville. It is ugly. It's graphic. It is 17 stitches across my forehead because I was riding one of those scooters. Don't do it, bro. All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. Yes, yeah, that what he's leaving out of that story is that he rode by somebody who grabbed his handlebar and made him fall. Oh, so hmm. that they go about what is it, seventeen miles per hour? Yeah, that, like that's fifteen t- maybe. Top end speed. That's not even people can run faster than that. I'm not getting on one of those scooters. I'm not. I, I, you know, in a previous lifetime, then I might do it. But I saw you zooming up the street with all the cars on. I don't worry about myself. I worry about everybody around me. I did have an incident last night that got a little dicey. Uh, See, I don't but, want to hear that. Yeah. Because I told you not to get on <laughs> yeah, the scooter. Coming back from uh, dinner, the dude was clearly like on his phone texting or something because I'm, you know, making my way down the street and all of a sudden this car starts veering right towards me. That's no, not good. And I was like, and then he did the pullback. And went back into his lane, and I may have yelled some choice words at the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah Paul. I may take one today and uh, no, take the restrictor plate off that bad boy and get up to 19 miles an hour. No, let's not do it. It's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I got. On, you know what I did yesterday? I got on a, a bicycle. That's it. Just not stationary. A two wheel bicycle. What? Drove. You know, took it down all the way to Santa Monica. Didn't you feel like you were putting your life in danger? No, I did not. Why? I didn't even have a helmet on. That's no. how crazy I was yesterday. Can't be doing that. But I was going about four miles an hour, and if I would fall, I'd fall into the sand. And that was it. And I had a nice time. Yes, Paul? Did it have a bell or a little basket? It had a bell and a basket. Felt okay with that, too. <laughs> on your left. Maybe I go, uh, you know, uh, skating today. Did you bring your inlines? I did you? not, but oh. you can rent them. Uh, I, I rented a bike yesterday. Got right. on. I had a little basket. Elbow pads, wrist pads. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little. Yeah, your wrist guard, so you don't break it. Uh, Jesse in L.A. Hi, Jess. Good to talk to you again. What's on your mind, bud? Hey, Pete. 
Good. Uh, hey, uh, glad to have you guys on the west side of L.A., um, but I want to compliment you and tell you that yesterday you killed those interviews with, with the playmaker, Barry. Those are two of my favorite guys to get to interview, and and I don't think you've ever had more contrasting back-to-back interviews in the history of your show. On a side note, I see Michael Irvin from time to time in my gym in Culver. That guy still throws up some serious weight, um, but hey, I did have a question for you about LeBron James. All right. Um, you know, with uh, with the dumpster fire that are my Sacramento Kings burning another three years, it seems like the only joy I get at the NBA are the LA Lakers and kind of the mess they are. But do you see a scenario now where LeBron goes back to Cleveland because that nucleus, he's not slowing down, and I believe he's a free agent, so he wouldn't have to gut that roster as the general manager there. Uh, and thanks for the phone call, Jesse. I can't see him going back there. He's going to go where his son is drafted. Now, Cleveland would draft him, and I brought that up, but I don't think he likes that owner at all. And to go back there and have do something that would benefit him, uh, I, I don't see that happening. But let's see where and if Bronny, maybe Bronny if he's not even drafted, and then he signs as a free agent somewhere. Uh, you know, that, that could also be a possibility. This day in sports history, Paul. Dan, I only got a couple. Let's see. In 1895, the first collegiate basketball game was played. The Minnesota State School of Agriculture defeated the Porkers of Hamline College. Porkers. Nine to three. Mm. Not a shootout there. And then, uh, let's see. 1932, America entered the two-man bobsled competition for the first time in the Olympic Winter Games in Lake Placid, and they won. First time. So 2006, Al Michaels uh, joined NBC Sunday Night Football broadcast, which on Madden ending a 20-year run on Monday Night Football. Let's go around the room, final results of the poll question, first of all, and then what we learned. Who would you Who? bet on to be in the most Super Bowls over the next decade? Patrick Mahomes, 45%. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, just 7%. Okay. Todd, what did you learn on today's award-nominated program? Al Michaels doesn't eat a meal during the Super Bowl, just a few snacks here and there. All right. Uh, Seton O'Connor. Carson Palmer has gigantic hands. But not as big as Mark Sanchez's hands. I don't believe that. No, Sanchez has some paws there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paulie, what did you learn today? Shockingly, Carson Palmer said to me, you don't look like you played sports. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to hurt. He's great, but it hurts. Todd, what did I learn on today's program? I think we all learned never walk into a bodybuilder accidentally at a party while wearing a three-piece suit. Damn, (laughs) (laughs) three-piece. Getting a lot of mileage on that that story. That's awesome. I guess we're going to have to get a shirt. Damn, three-piece. Uh, let's see. Who's on the uh, program tomorrow? Todd? We've got uh, Max Crosby, Troy Aikman, Ross Tucker, Dion Sanders, all supposed to be part Ooh. of the Thursday edition. All right. They're supposed to be. They should be. They will be. All right. Crosby. Adam Sandler, I know, on Friday. Oh, it's going to be a fun show there, Daddy. Uh, Ed Orgeron, the LS, former LSU uh, head coach. Drew Brees, Todd. I talked over his head. Yeah, let's see. That's, I didn't, you I didn't did the impersonation, Seton. To... The show's about Todd, so it's okay. Wow. Ed Orgeron is the new 78. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a great day. And Drew Brees, Frank. Thank you, Todd. I apologize for stepping over the impersonation. Yeah, it's okay. okay. I no, no, it's good. A, I know. Who was on the show? I know. I know. I'm tired. Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. We'll do it again tomorrow. Dan Patrick Show. 
One more item as we close out this award-nominated show. Today's episode of the DP Show brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. Man, I'm a big fan of the wireless outdoor camera because I can look at my phone right now and find out what my 10-month-old puppy is doing outside. And chances are she's not doing anything good. Uh, Simply Safe is everything you need. Keep your home safe. Entry and motion sensors, indoor, outdoor cameras. Simply Safe monitored 24/7 by professionals ready to dispatch police, firefighters, or EMTs to your home. Simply Safe, less than one dollar a day, and you can set it up in around 30 minutes or less. Delivered right to your door. No long-term contracts, commitments hidden fees. They're with you every step of the way, every single day. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafedan.com. Once again, simplysafedan.com. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. simplysafedan.com and tell them we sent you.